especially the corporate area, out of the office. That, that's been our biggest thing. Like we're building all these connectivity between the offices, which has been you know important, especially with growth, like building up our data center, et cetera. But we still need to build connectivity for the outside world for them to leave the office, have connectivity into our applications, full-fledged VPN everywhere. We've needed to build a lot of that out so they can become more of a remote workforce. Welcome to The Wrap, Resourceive as a Podcast. I'm Nick Cressy, Managing Director of Strategic Partnerships, joined by our President Kyle Hall. This podcast will feature conversations with guests ranging from industry thought leaders to private equity operators and technology innovators, all with an aligned focus on delivering business outcomes. Whether you're an operating partner at a private equity firm, a CIO, or other business leader, tune in weekly as we share insights from the expanding playing field of digital transformation. Today, we're joined by Chad Ray, VP of IT at Paragon Health. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Wrap, Chad Ray, VP of IT at Paragon Health. What's going on today, Chad? You know, just some lo- enjoying Texas weather, the pollen. It's making life really fun here in North Texas. And a little bit of IT, too, every once in a while. Yeah, a little bit of IT. We'll sprinkle that in. It's May, so it's not too hot yet, I would imagine. It's not. It's, it's actually decent for swimming weather. A little bit cold, but the kids all decided they want to go in this weekend, so that was shockingly fun. That's awesome. Good stuff. You got us beat by a couple months up here in the Northeast. So, so today we're going to talk about prioritizing IT projects. We're going to talk about IT challenges in healthcare. But before we do that, let's start a little context. Let's talk about you. You've been at Paragon for about 10 years now, right? So what got you into IT and healthcare in particular? Well, I tell you what, I, I actually started out in high school 20x number of years ago, and I worked in nursery outside the plants. And in Texas, it's hot. Right. So I decided to get an inside job. And my first job was data entry. And they just kind of found out that I was really good with computers. So I just kind of progressed with there. My journey has been along the infrastructure side. I, I really love servers and network and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, did the natural help desk to a sysadmin to a director type of uh, role. So I've been doing this 26 years. I've been in IT. So it's it's been interesting. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting background. And what's really interesting, you know, we were obviously introduced through PE. I know you guys were acquired by PCROC in 2020, but you've been there since 2012. I'm imagining there's a there's a lot that's happened, right, to get you from smaller, smallish company, emerging company to then being acquired by a PE firm and really supercharging from there. So take us through that growth trajectory and the unique challenges you faced. It's kind of You've been there. You've been the steady rock as the company's been changing all around you, right? Yeah. So when I first started, it was four locations and 100-ish employees. It was just me and another guy. We we were IT. I was actually taking over for somebody who thought he built some IT stuff together. I, I, on day two, was running out of IPs at my corporate office. So I was, you know, just head in, trying to do everything I could. And, And really in the early days, we weren't growing a whole lot. It was year year five of my tenure when we started acquiring companies and then and then building de novos and et cetera. And then really over the last three years, we've done gangbusters and grown 42 sites in a matter of three years. It's been crazy. But you know, the early years it was it was all about spend, right? This company's entrepreneurial. They really didn't spend a whole lot of IT and it kind of really showed. So it was really convincing people to spend dollars on technology to improve life life as we know it. And they've gotten a lot better. You know, as the PE firm came in, the the dollars at the beginning were 
pretty easy to come by. They wanted to heighten security as, as a big, big example as their biggest threat. Data is a big one. We, we spend a lot of money on automation and data and et cetera. So it's been an interesting journey. PE firm, just you, you would assume this, the three PE deals that I've done over the years, you would assume the, the reins have tightened a little bit and they kind of didn't in this example. They, they wanted us to spend and get things going. So it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. Yeah, that's cool. Quickly, before we get into kind of what we're going to talk about most today, I'd, I'd love your perspective. So you're, you're one of two in a hundred person company. Are you outsourcing a bunch as you grow? Are you doing everything and building your team slowly? Like from your leadership perspective, how are you looking to kind of manage IT as you guys grew slowly and then very quickly? Yeah, it wasn't really into the last three years till we outsourced a lot because we were doing a lot of programming. And we just didn't have the in-house uh, in-house talent. There was some infrastructure things we did along the way with some help on some database stuff and some other things. But really, over the last three years is where we start outsourcing a lot. I think at one point we're up to fifty contractors, and we only have eighteen people internally in IT. So we were trying to get through a lot of you know uh, automation, building different communication platforms, and doing some data warehouse stuff where we just didn't have the inside talent to do it. Got it. And I think we'll, we'll get into that because when we were talking offline, we were discussing your priority, your priorities and we kind of oversimplified them a little bit, but it was, okay, intake of referrals, data, everyone says data now, connectivity and costs. So let's just dissect each of those as you as a VP of IT, how are you looking at, let's start with intake of referrals. Like how are you prioritizing your time? What are you looking to do and what problem are you solving for there to, to move the business forward? Healthcare is funny. I came from a manufacturing, a concrete manufacturing company previous to that, and I worked at T-Mobile previous to that. And healthcare is just funny. Faxing will never die in healthcare, no matter what we think. So when we talk about intake, you have to you have to worry about all the different facets of what a referral can come in, right? And faxing is one of them. You have to have a very robust faxing system. We have two here. We have to worry about email referrals coming in, voice. We have handwritten notes that come in sometime. It's a challenge to kind of wrangle it all. And especially in this space, there's a one-stop portal. The other big one that we have to deal with is we have our own internal referrals that we deal with. Then we have all these external referrals. You know, hospital systems uh, several years ago spent millions and millions of dollars implementing these EPIC systems. And the, the challenge with that is... There, there was there was third party referral systems where businesses like ours can go get external referrals on you know patients and providers that we don't normally have. So that was all fine and dandy until the Epic systems they started building their own internal ones. So now we have our our our, our you know systems that we go get that we pay for, and then we have to go to these Epic systems and then you know extrapolate that times all over the country. I have literally intake clerks logging into 60 different portals every 30 minutes just to get referral information. It's a lot to deal with. And that and that's when we started dealing with automation, right? We we've been working pretty heavily with with RPA technology to kind of kind of kind of go to these portals in lieu of the human trying to do it for them. And in theory that's a good idea. You just train a bot, go out there, reach to a portal, grab the information, you know, screen scrape it. You would think that's pretty easy, but then these guys change their portal UI all the time. So you have to retrain the bot. You have to deal with errors. In some cases, it's just not worth it, right? So it's 
intake, man, it's it's a challenge to try to absorb all this. And that's just the absorption part, right? Our challenge is we have all this documentation coming in, and then you got to have a portal to, to figure it all out, right? So just to kind of move it one way or another and deal with it. So it's been a lot of change in the last three years as it relates to intake, a lot of moving parts. And that's kind of the things that a lot of our competitors are dealing with as well. Chad, that's that's really interesting on on using the using the bots and RPA and and using screen scraping. What what was your approach there? Did you just kind of look at, hey, where where are we going most often? Let me try to train a bot there. Kind of how how did you begin to tackle that project? So so we tackled the easy one, well easy ish one first, which was faxing. So we hooked our bots into our fax servers. They're able to derive information, phone numbers, you know, where they're coming from, et cetera. That was pretty easy. When we talk about the external portals, which was the next iteration, we looked at volume first. You know, we get them from, you know, UT Southwest or, or wherever we get them from. We looked at those guys first, and then we looked at our, our paid subscriptions. Carrot Well Sky over the years has bought all scripts and Nava Health, and those are the bigger providers in our area that do, you know, referrals. So we integrated with those guys. You would assume there's APIs for anything, and we make this really easy to do. Do it on the back end, but no, we've had to do everything with bots and, and, and screen scraping on the front end. So that's been our approach, just kind of a volume, you know, what volume makes sense. And that's the ones we attack first. I'm going to admit some of my ignorance here on this. I mean, is there is there something that is happening in the industry that's misaligning and making it hard to, to work with on the intake referrals? Because, I mean, it's a revenue generating activity, right? I mean, it's the biggest challenge really is inner hospital systems talk to each other really well. So if there was a technology where we can grab it from that one hospital system, that would be great. The problem is talking to other hospital systems. They don't talk to each other at all. Right. And for us, we need all the patient information when we do the intake. So we might reach out to one hospital system and then have to reach out to another provider, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's really, it's great that everybody got on EMRs, you know, 10, 15 years ago. They get into these really grand million-dollar EMRs. But the next iteration is they need to talk to each other. They need to be able to exchange information within, you know, across hospital systems. Yeah, and as, a, as kind of a, a third-party provider or specialty or niche provider, you guys are probably feel the pain more than most. We do, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a challenge, right? So, I mean, it's at the end of the day, they just, we're not, we're not, we're not doing the doctor's orders per se. We're not making the prescription. We're, we're actually making the drugs to, to accord to the prescription, but we still need all the documentation, make sure there's no allergies and, you know, some of the other things. We need all that information in order, in order to do the work. What do you see over the next few years here? I mean, I, I imagine, I imagine it may get a little bit easier on the systems that you're connecting to, but I mean, you, are you going to waiting to see where they go with that or continuing with a lot of bots? Like what's the, what's the approach? So uh, specifically with Epic, this has been, there's two things going on. One, providers are wanting to send their information electronically. There, there are certain systems like SureScripts and some other stuff that they want to send their information electronically. And, and these guys have finally listened. They, they've built portals that you can link multiple portals together, right? So for us, it's this ability to get attached to that guy where he can attach to 10 other hospital systems. But it's up to the hospital system at the end of the day. Hospital systems are understaffed, especially with Epic administration. Sometimes it takes us five months just to get a login for some hospital systems. It's really just up to them if, if they want to get all together. But technically, most providers have the right 
epic systems. They just they just have to have the ability and the bandwidth to do it. That would make our life better. Going to getting away from getting away from all these individualized portals and having just one portal from all these referral systems would just make our life so much better. Yeah, I can see that. Sh- shifting gears a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> you've got the patient and you've worked through these challenges you have around accepting intakes and referrals. I know another big thing you guys have been working on is really kind of data, data analytics, data warehousing. You've got to make sure, right, that that referral you just took in, you're actually making money on. And that's a big kind of another complex and hairy issue for you guys. What what have you been what have you been doing there? I mean, you're, you're currently building out a, a data warehouse or already have one. What's the approach? Second, third, fourth iteration, whatever you want to call it. D- data is king in healthcare. And it's kind of a different approach that we've taken since the PE acquisition. Before, data was, eh, we'll, we'll go through some reports and we run it statically and some other things. Now it's, they need real-time information. They need to be able to make business decisions on the fly. They need trending data to be able to look into the future. A lot, a lot of forecasting involved. I mean, we, we spent the last three months just doing forecasting alone. It's a lot, right? And as you alluded to, we we have to know we're making money on any kind of order before we can really accept it. A business does have to make some kind of profit. That's kind of the game here. So there's a lot of situations where we found ourselves just not analyzing our own data. And then we realized we were, we were dispensing some of the drugs at a loss. Our competitors have done the same thing, but they, they are a little bit more data smart and they, they figure it out probably ahead of us. But everybody, everybody in healthcare has the same game, right? They're dealing with third-party drug manufacturers. They're dealing with insurance carriers. Everybody's squeezing the nickel a little bit. And really, at the end of the day, you need to know if you're profitable, right, on any kind of, any kind of drug. Data has been king, especially on, you know, the allocation of funds and, and figuring out if anything's going to be profitable or not. And just trying to figure out our, you know, our trends of patients and where they're going and the market differentiators. It's uh, data has been uh, definitely king, as they say here at Paragon, especially the last couple of years. So how's that affected you? I mean, have you had to kind of build out a build out a team to support that? Have you had to build a lot of infrastructure to do it? Like what what does that look like for you? So we built out several different data warehouses, you know, just to intake it all, right? So you have all these sources of information, which is a challenge by itself. A lot of dirty data issues that every company deals with at this point, just trying to make sense of it all. And then trying to do ELT processes to, to, to make it worthwhile as a visualization to the business and leaders. It's been interesting. A lot of people don't agree one way or another. You should just set up a large you know, data lake, and then let everybody go to town, or you should do an ELT process in between. But we're we're going through another iteration with support from PE, from our PE firm to to possibly move a lot of this on-prem stuff that we've been working over working on for the last couple of years, and possibly move it to a cloud iteration to to get our information faster in the right hands of people. Because that's been our problem, right? We spend an absorbent amount of time doing an ELT process to try to make it make sense to the end users, right? And then they're still they're asking for the same thing over and over again. So our next iteration, which we're actively working on, is potentially going to a cloud solution, having a much more robust and secure solution, and getting data from a visualization standpoint to their hands much, much quicker. So 
it's interesting because you know the the context under which we were we were introduced and the work we've done together has generally been around cost savings, right? And it's kind of some of these things that are a little bit more they're not quite as sexy, right? I mean they're they're around hey, let, we're figuring out how to save money on connectivity or you know mobility programs like those types of things. And it's interesting; it's almost more a supporting effort to create space in your budget and be able to reinvest in these types of things that do get resourced and do get a lot of kind of attention. I know the the third area is connectivity and cost. So, you know, we've obviously done a lot of work together there, but why has that been important to you over the last couple of years? Yeah. So it kind of started with telephony. So telephony here has been challenging over the years. I've had to rip out and replace two or three systems since I've been here. And at the end of the day, we made the collective decision to go with a SaaS provider just to get it off-prem, stop dealing with providers, stop dealing with that, and just just move on to that from an operating cost. It's been very stable since then. We, we've been pretty happy with it. It's given us reporting. With us having multiple accreditation, reporting is is very important for, for our voice solutions. So we, we moved to those guys, and it's, it's worked out pretty well. But the other thing is telephony kind of being solved. We, we had all network connectivity, right? We've been running SD-WAN for quite a while now. We, we run Velo previous to our, our solution with you guys. We needed, we needed pretty pristine and low, well, we'll call agreeable pricing in all our sites with redundancy to an extent because they just need connectivity to our sites and they need to be able to get all these SaaS applications. They need to be able to get all these different places. So we needed to get all that solved. And with the help of you guys, we, we figured out consolidating our agreements, getting under master agreements, you know, putting in the right circuits everywhere. And it's been, it's been pretty, it's pretty good, good project, just mainly to get our workforce, especially the corporate area out of the office. That's been our biggest thing, right? We're building all these connectivity between the offices, which has been, you know, important, especially with growth like building up our data center, et cetera. But we still needed to build connectivity for the outside world for them to leave the office, have connectivity into our applications, full-fledged VPN everywhere. We've needed to build a lot of that out so they can become more of a remote workforce. I can tell you on Mondays and Fridays, at least here at our corporate office, it's kind of a ghost town here by myself because they're usually it's usually their hybrid work schedule when they're all working from home. So we've had to adapt. Obviously, COVID you know, kind of forced the issue. And for us at Paragon, it's a good model, right? I mean, it's it's a decent model for a lot of our, you know, especially our RCM staff to, to be able to work from home, um, having a flexibility with family work schedules. It's it's worked out really well. But the challenge with that, of course, is IT has to make sure it all works, right? So we've invested a lot in remote connectivity, firewall upgrades, et cetera, et cetera, with you guys' help. So, Chad, I know... You know, you mentioned early on the growth you guys have had. Like, what is what does that look like, and what does it look like for your kind of team design and build out? Like, when you guys are opening up a new, you know, a new location, like, what is what does that look like for you? Do you have a team that specializes in that and kind of goes in and, and gets it up, and they're doing it over and over and over? Or it's funny, I I, I literally get off the phone call over a weekly de novo meeting before I got on this one, and there's. There's not just my team. There, there's a slew of 35 people on that call because everybody has their piece. IT is, I wouldn't say hardest. Uh, I would say facilities has the hardest job. They have to build all these things, but ours is pretty, pretty close. We, we have a checklist of about 72 items that we have to do before we even open up the site. And it ranges from setting up 
you know, just AD accounts to setting up printer shares, you know, do, doing the whole gambit. Connectivity, which is always fun, working with the different ISP providers, trying to get a simple coax connection at, at a remote site. It's, it's always a challenge, but we've got it down to a science. Like I say, we, we've opened up 40-something last three years, and we wouldn't be able to survive unless we, we kind of made these checklists and, and kind of go through the iterations. And, and I, I do have a couple of people who are dedicated to it. When they're not working on day-to-day stuff, they do take the time. A couple of them go out on-site, physically install stuff, go through checklists. We go through more checklists once they leave to make sure the the supervisor on-site is happy with everything. And then about 30 days after they've been opened, then they move to maintenance, the normal day-to-day team, and they they can deal with it from there. I'm guessing it wasn't 72 items when you first started. It was not. I... In my silly little head, it was, okay, I, I need inventory. So I come from an inventory background, so I'm, I'm really heavy into that. I need to be able to have all this stuff and, and to, to install it. And, and we worked through the process of trying to direct shift to these, to these sites, and that was a complete disaster, as you can imagine. Play, you know, FedEx packages got left, and, and copiers never got delivered, and blah, blah, blah. So we figured it out a couple of years ago to – to ship everything here at a, at a corporate office in a warehouse and then just have a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of the day, we'll, we'll drive U-Haul trucks or, or whatever to, to location. Once we figured that out, along with making our checklist more than like six items, it started to make a lot of sense. And we, started, and we were able to do this pretty easily. So you've added, you've added just under two items per store opening. Pretty much. Those are, I'm sure those are hard learned lessons. But I mean, that, that experience, that was invaluable, right? I mean, that's a, that at some point, like it actually becomes something on the SWOT analysis where you say like, hey, we have this demonstrated capability of being able to open up facilities at a rate that others can't. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I actually left a T-Mobile prior to joining here because I was opening up stores all over Ohio and San Francisco area. I think I did 25 in like eight months or some nonsense. So I actually didn't want to do that anymore because it's a lot of time away from my family, et cetera. I come here and it was fine for four or five years, but then we start doing it all over again. So I had to build these checklists so I didn't have to travel myself to all these places. And we just have a really good team that does it while they're, you know, does this stuff while they're on site. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been an iteration. That's for sure. A good team is, is, is great. So I guess what, what is, what's kind of the future hold for you guys? I mean, we've talked a little bit about what you're focused on. I mean, you guys still kind of rapidly growing, doing, doing your thing, taking over the world. I would say we've, we're, we're slowing down from a growth standpoint for the balance of this year. Next year, that'll probably change a little bit, but uh, for the balance of this year, I think we're only doing three more sites or something like that from a growth standpoint. They're, they're really focusing on improvement of workflow more than anything. And along with that comes a lot of workflow applications, workflow automation. Like I said, data data consistency is going to be a big one. That's where their biggest, biggest effort is just, just improving, you know, the tools that we have, the, the employees kind of workflow efforts that they do. That's been a big thing. Uh, travel, travel and expense, you would assume, is, is something that would have tackled years ago but that's that's another thing that's crept up on us you know just trying to be smarter on our spend uh, on where we're doing everything which is going to include a lot of technology as well as well with integrations to our accounting systems some other so yeah it's just surviving the rest of the year focus on the infusion centers and focus on a few technology items to kind of make it more efficient excellent 
Exciting stuff, man. It's been a great multi-year partnership at this point. So this is kind of a long time coming. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to hear your perspective, learn a little bit about the business and your priorities and we'll keep it going. Appreciate it. It's been a fun. That's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Kyle, I love talking to IT people who have been, you think about Tammy. I know she was procurement the last time we talked to, to someone on, on the wrap, but these folks that are kind of been through the trenches, small to large, Paragon has rapidly expanded. He's been there since 100 employees, two-person IT shop. I don't know. I, I just, I just have, I, I don't really have a question for you. It's more of a reflection that it's just really cool to hear folks like that's experience. Oftentimes, you and I were talking to companies a billion dollar plus before we even, you know, and the IT team is recycled a couple times. It's cool to see that he's been there for 10 years and has gotten to play an integral part of that growth. Yeah, the longevity is nice. And I think what you what you probably like, I mean, you spend most of your day talking to talking to kind of PE operators and, you know, you're talking to them at very high strategic level and it's probably nice for you to come down and like actually hear on the ground truth from people who are actually executing on, you know, on the initiatives that that you're talking to firms about. In the reflection, when he said, you know, you, you, you think when PE comes on board, PE's got a bad rap with this, right? We're going to cut budget. We're going to cut spending, yada, yada. And he's like, it's actually been the opposite. They sound like they've been pouring gas on the, on the flame. So that's great. And it's allowing Paragon to continue to differentiate, continue to scale. And no surprise, right, man, we're talking data and healthcare. That's where it all goes back. I know, especially when we're in contact center deals, especially we're talking about capturing that data, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I think the days of P being kind of cut and slash, I think that's an anachronism. You know, a lot of what we see now is they're focused on operational excellence and how to enable that. And, you know, I mean, they're they're down to resource and support things that they think are going to lead to growth of the business, which is what which is what Chad's talking about, right? I mean, he's talking about two fundamental things, intake of re- intake of referrals, which is how that business makes money, you know, and data, which is how they ensure they do it and do it faster and do it at scale. Both both things that that their firm is happy to resource and support because you know those those are what drive drive the biz- business forward and allow them to compete in the marketplace. Yeah, before we jump, I do want to just talk about the referral conversation. As the layman, as the person who just makes the phone calls to the doctor's office or to the provider, you know, it's. It's just something you do. You don't even think about as a business. It sounds so stress inducing. I mean, that is, it's truly the linchpin to your company, especially as you're landing clients and trying to expand and that customer experience is so important and then gathering the data. I mean, Chad sounds like he's been working through some stuff with that. I mean, it's really, really important. I think it's obvious, but as a person that again, is usually on the phone, just picking up and, and calling the doctor, calling the healthcare provider, you don't even really think about it. Fortunately, yeah. Fortunately for us as consumers, we don't have to think about it too much, right? And I think that's—I mean—that's that's due to the work of you know Chad and people like him out there in the industry to get all these providers working together. You know, otherwise uh, we would all be pretty challenged to get the, get the continuity of care that I think we want. And that's why talking to our clients and talking to operators in these companies—that's those are our fi- our favorite episodes because it's practical, right? We're talking about things 
that they're doing, they're in the weeds and they're solving business problems and challenges. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back again with another one in a week. Thanks for listening to The Wrap, Resourceive as a podcast. For more information about Resourceive and how we are creating value for our clients, find us at resourceive.com or reach out to us directly at therap at resourceive.com.